Hi, welcome back. You're in the middle of the business story that changed my life forever. I'm sure glad you're here. We've we've worked hard to weave in the important lessons that uh, should be learned throughout this story. Lessons for me and hopefully lessons for you so you can avoid some of these pitfalls. Uh, our, our objective is real clear. We, we've got an Instagram account, Inside Out with James Catledge, that, that also posts images relative to each episode. So the moment the episode is published on Sunday, I personally control the Instagram account and release images directly tied to that episode. So go there, follow us so that you're updated anytime in your feed a new uh, photograph, image, or video is released. The next thing I want you to know is where we're headed. This story, of course, does end. And my hope is that the title Inside Out becomes uh, a relationship between you and I where we can begin to discuss what's inside you and getting it out. And it doesn't have to be so dramatic and it doesn't have to be so intense and it doesn't have to be so full of dark clouds and storms. It, it, it can be about uh, friendship. It can be about leadership. It can be about accountability. I'm, I've spent my life coaching people on how to be successful. And we're going to use inside out to chase your potential. I believe that most people's potential is untapped. And we're going to use this podcast to get to the bottom of that. So thanks for being here. This is Inside Out with James Catledge. This is Inside Out with James Catledge. Welcome back. I think it's important here at this juncture, I give you a family update. When we met the Elliots, we had three kids, um, Alex, Brandon, and Tessa. And uh, they were all little guys. And uh, we just had the oldest, Alex, um, in a little private Christian school down the street from our home. And we were living, when we, when we met the Elliots, we were living in our dream home. We actually, the day we got married, we made a commitment to each other that we would be debt-free as much as possible, except for our mortgage. We'd try to buy our cars with cash. We would take on no credit card debts. And since I was in the finance business, it was just really important to me, and Tiffany bought into this right away, that we would stay debt-free. And as long as we were making money, we would just live off the income we were making and and not take on any additional debt. And so um, a quick sidebar here. Um, we built our dream home in 1997 and moved in in 97, the spring of 97. I had uh, noticed that there was this new community just to the southeast side of Las Vegas that was starting to come up. They had built a beautiful lake. There was There was a golf course on one side and the other side was future development. This, this this was a man-made lake, 320 acres. They called it Lake Las Vegas. It was a real nice place, but it was very speculative. It, it wasn't. It was going to be a massive, multi-decade master plan. But being a golfer, I, I thought, well, this has got real potential. So I went and played the golf course and was so impressed. I thought, you know what? It would be a good idea to buy a lot out here if we can afford it and just sit on it until we can afford to build our dream home. So I, I bought that lot in 1996, and I remember getting a tour of the place. Uh, I think it was in my 20s, and I was so young. Uh, it, it had to look like an impulsive move for sure. 
Uh, I remember discussing with Tiffany that the cost of the lot was more than the home we were living in. And I remember the discussion she and I had, and I remember calling my father, who I trusted for advice like this that was beyond my my thinking. And, and my dad said, hey, listen, you, you, you've got to talk to somebody else about this. You're talking about buying a piece of dirt that's more expensive than the home you're in. It sounds crazy, but maybe it's not crazy. You need to talk to somebody with some better better judgment in this area. And that, that was pretty big of my dad because I, I thought the world to him when it came to money and making smart decisions. And so I started asking around and, and I just couldn't get anybody to guide me on this. And so a real estate friend of ours, uh, Tiffany and mine, Alan, Alan took us out there to look at lots. And, and I remember negotiating with the developer, the Lake Las Vegas developer about this lot. It was at the top of a cul-de-sac. It was the Keystone lot right in the center and I'll never forget the address. It was one grand Anna Capri. It sounded so regal, the address. And I think I think I think I'm 28 and Tiffany's 25. And I remember telling him, listen, I don't have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to put down on this lot. And by the way, our home was a hundred and forty-four thousand, the home we lived in. And it was a beautiful home and we loved it. And um the the dirt came with the golf club membership, which I thought was going to be the value. The golf club membership came with it, and you had to pay monthly dues, of course, to, to stay a member. But the lot was going to be a future build. So we buy this thing in, in October of 96, and we get a call from my banker who says, listen, the smart move here is not to continue living in the home you're in, but to, to build, get a construction loan and build your dream home, design your dream home, meet with an architect, Build every room you want, customize the thing the way you want. And, and we just, this was so, you know, this was so far out of our league. And uh, so I started tearing pictures out of magazines and Tiffany was doing it. We were getting architectural digest and, and I was making pretty good money at the time. I think, uh, you know, I don't mind telling you, I think in 1997, I was probably making $600,000 a year. And, uh, the year we got married, 94 was when we got married. I made $312,000 that year, which, which I thought was significant for such a young guy. And I was building, building my practice. I was building my financial services practice. And so we had enough cash flow to be able to make the payment on the, the house and then make a payment to the developer on this lot. So we're making two payments. And the banker said, listen, if you will take out a construction loan, there'll be no payments while the house is being built. They'll build this home for you. You, you, you can then move in it nine months to a year from now, and then you'll be able to deduct the entire mortgage from your tax liability because you can deduct on the taxes up to a million-dollar mortgage, uh, the, the payment, because it's mostly interest in the beginning when you start paying off the mortgage. It's mostly interest, and that up to a million dollars was deductible, the interest. So it was actually less expensive from a tax standpoint to build the dream home, sell the regular house, and move out there. So that's what we did. And after lots of counsel from lots of smart people, we 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 designed this house. We met with the architect and we were so excited. And I'm going to post some pictures for you on Instagram so you can kind of see us walking the land and and then the house coming up and and that home is still there today and and uh I I love driving through the cul-de-sac at One Grand Anna Capri because it is the most beautiful home in that cul-de-sac. I don't mind telling you. And it overlooks the 17th green, which is the signature hole at the South Shore Golf Club at Lake Las Vegas. And uh, we did that. We did that in our 20s, and we were debt-free. And uh, 
we, we were, you know, making things happen. And uh, a family update, we had three more kids. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. While we were in that home, we had Nathan, uh, Nathan, who literally uh, is graduating high school this year while we're recording this podcast. He's graduating high school uh, down in Carlsbad, California. And then uh, the identical twins, Kayla and Carly, who are my beautiful identical twin girls who are also Carlsbad uh, sophomores in high school, going to be going into their junior year. But they were all three born in that home. And the other three were born in the in the, the other house, I call it the regular house. And so we had six kids. And so uh, by the by the time the Elliots and I are up to full swing here in business, we've got the financial services firm. We've got this real estate venture going in the Dominican Republic. We've got six kids on the ground. We're already living in our dream home. And so things are just going swimmingly. But I wanted to have, have you have that update because it's going to matter here for you to have a picture of the whole family. And uh, obviously with six kids now, mom is fully busy planning birthdays and school and private school and where do we go to school and where's the groceries and all the things necessary to keep our family functioning. And we're pretty busy with our church and the responsibilities there too. So that's the update on the Catledge family. This is Inside Out with James Catledge. Welcome back. These are short episodes designed to help you think differently about your potential. So Fred's got this odd thing he does. Whenever I see him, if it's been a few weeks, a few days, a few minutes, he pulls me in like a big hug. And I'm a hugger, so I don't mind hugging. And then he says, heart to heart, heart to heart, implying that, you know, we have something special. And this is the way he's greeted me since the day he was late arriving in that conference room at my headquarters in Las Vegas. And so I've got this real sense, almost like a father-son relationship with Fred. He's got Derek basically doing whatever he tells him to do. He's got me raising money to build his uh, resorts. So we get notified by Fred that Derek has arranged with the company lawyer, who's a, a big shot lawyer in the Dominican Republic, He's he's on the Caribbean Hospitality Committee. He's he's literally friendly with the president of the country, and uh, and I know that he's a successful uppity lawyer in the Dominican. We know this, and he's the company lawyer in the Dominican, and of course William is the company lawyer out of Toronto. And by the way, the guy in the Dominican's name is Enrique, and we'll just keep it at first names. He's still a very successful lawyer in the Dominican. Well, the bottom line is, Fred lets me know that Derek and Enrique have worked out the purchase of a new property on the opposite side of the Dominican island near the capital city of Santo Domingo. Now, I've actually never been to Santo Domingo, always flying to Puerto Plata. I'm kind of new to this country. I'm, I'm familiarizing myself with all these airports. So some of our hotel guests or clients have flown into Santiago. Some have flown into Punta Cana. Well, he wants me to fly to Santo Domingo, take a look at the property, and give him my opinion. Again, I, I, I'm not a hotel. I've stayed in hotels. 
I've experienced five-star hotel accommodations, but I, I've got nothing to say about the engineering or, you know, the structure, the footprint. I mean, it's just out of my league. But I want to see it, and I'm excited to see it. So I fly into Santa Domingo. I bring one of my clients with me, a guy that I think the world of. His name is Steve. Steve comes with me. He doesn't know anything about hotels either, other than he's an owner at the other side of the island. He's got a position in one of the hotel units. and So he's interested because I'm interested and we're friends. So we walk this four-star Sheraton property. It's a Sheraton that's been vacated, and it's got security guards in front. And we let them know our names were left at the front. So they they basically usher us in. They're speaking Spanish, and they let us in to see the property. It's beautiful. It's literally on the ocean. I would say 30 yards from the water. It's all beach up to literally the structure. There's three towers each with 80 rooms, 240 rooms, literally sitting on the ocean. And the plan is this will become Maxim Bungalow's Juan Dolio. That's the, the name of the beach district this property sitting on. And on the right and left of this property are other resorts. This looks to be the best of the adjacent properties. Not just the real estate, but the hotel structure looks pretty good. Now, it's not Maxim. It's not five stars. It's not all the magic we've seen them do on the other side of the island, where they literally converted a beautiful four-star Sun Village to a five-star Maxim bungalow where A-list guests are currently staying, where we've got the food and beverage being managed by a world-class Manhattan chef named Jeffrey. But I'm envisioning them doing that here. And if they do, I have 240 more condominiums to sell. I've got 240 more units to offer. And so I want a meeting to find out what the plan is, how long the plan is, what, you know, please review with me the cost so we can get a price point to sell condos, the whole thing. We have that meeting. It's very professionally presented by the CFO, Greg, Jay, the head of construction, who's going to lead this effort too. And he's got a beautiful track record on the other side of the island. So I have no reason to doubt this man. And I like him a lot. Jay and I play golf together. I've got a lot of respect for Jay and his wife. Uh, and, and incidentally, Jay and I are still friendly today. So Derek, Fred, Jay, and Greg present what they would like to do with this property. The trick is, they need to get it from the bank first. The bank has repossessed it from the owner of the Sheridan. And so it's not a lot of money. I think it's $5 million bucks, And it's probably a $60 million property once it's completed. It's probably got fifteen to $20 million worth of work, which is a tremendous amount of money in, in the Dominican, okay? Because you got labor costs very low. It's not like North American Union costs to do this work. It's low. And Jay's leading it. And he knows the country, and he knows the people, and he knows the teams. So if they put $20 million in this, this, this is the Taj Mahal of five-star resorts in the Dominican. I mean, it would be unbelievable. So $5 million purchase cost, $20 million to bring it up to five-star world-class standards. You got $25 million on a $60 million property. This, this is amazing. And so 
I let them know, hey, listen, if we're going to roll in here and do this, I would like some ownership for myself and my team, the folks who raise the money. I would like to have a little taste, I called it, ownership interest in what we're doing. I don't know how to build it. I don't, that's not my domain. But if we're going to help raise the money, maybe you guys can consider us as uh, potential owners with you. And maybe we could be, you know, pro rata based on how much we raise of the five million for the acquisition. That's that's my that's my proposal to them. They like the idea. They they like the idea. It's worked so well on the other side. I don't have any ownership interest, but the, the raising of the money has worked so well. They like the idea. And, and I said, and what is your idea about products to offer the client? They said, well, the same thing we're doing over there, condos and, and residential interest. Now, residential interest, keep in mind, this is, a, this is like a construction loan from my client to the Elliott Development to actually build the units. And at the end of the building of the unit, the client gets a choice to have their money returned to them, and they've been paid interest every quarter since the construction began, or convert their interest into condo ownership. And that's the client's choice. And that's, that's the way the Elliott lawyers, William Hunter Toronto, developed the paperwork. So now the new property, when we have that product discussion, they decide that instead of having the construction debt where they've got to pay these quarterly payments, that's an expensive product to maintain for the Elliots. It's expensive from a balance sheet standpoint because they've got to maintain quarterly payments to the client while laying out the construction budget. And so they, they don't want to do that as much. They'd like less of that product sold and more of the condos where they pre-sell the condo. And they've even figured out how to get financing arranged. And this was exciting to me because now the client doesn't have to put cash down for the entire purchase of the condo. They're, they're, the, the Elliots are willing to take, I want to say it was over a, a period of time, like once your unit was completed, you would begin making your payments. You had to put 50% down in cash if you were buying a fractional interest in your condo, you put 50% down in cash, the other 50% that you owed, you wouldn't need to begin making payments until your unit was actually occupiable, because then it could be rented out and you would have some cash flow coming from it. And so that made sense to the client. It was exciting. And I think Derek had come up with a company, and I'm not going to use that company's name here, but had come up with a company that specialized in this kind of financing and that they would be willing to buy the bundle, let's say 200 clients were financing 50% of their purchase, there was a company willing to buy that financing. And that would advance the Elliott's a large sum of money to complete construction. And so this new property, although finished, needed to be renovated, needed to be brought up to maximum standards, which were high, and it was going to need uh, to be gutted. You know, every room needed to be gutted and, and heavy-duty construction occur in each room. And so uh, this, this was a little different than what the Elliots had done before, a ground-up operation uh, built on the back of an existing property where they already had cash flow. So this was a little different from juggling. And for me, the, it, it was a similar requirement. Uh, uh, show the clients the two different products they could do 
One was basically a construction loan. And I think that was called the residence product where they would get a quarterly payment uh, for advancing the money to do the renovations while the Elliots were busy doing the renovations. And then at the end, get their money returned to them or convert it to the purchase of a condo. And the way the Elliots would return the money to them is by selling the underlying unit that's been renovated as a condo. So the money was going to be there. But the Elliots didn't like the idea of the debt. And, and they had a, a large sum of debt over at the Cofer C property. And uh, it, the debt would be extinguished as soon as those condos underlined it were sold. But this, you, you could tell by the way they were speaking to me that this was starting to get a little trickier for them. And so, so Wandolio is underway. And we've got lots and lots of people interested because the other hotel was so successful. And there's such great traction and activity and notoriety happening at the other property. It just really felt like the momentum was carrying over to this new project. And it had the, the makings of being not only more profitable for the client, but it was in a far more populated area. Puerto Plata was a smaller town. It was, it was a big town from a population standpoint, but not near as big as Santa Domingo, not near as big as that side of the country. And it didn't have the tourist uh, uh, volume that you would get on the other side of the island. So th this, this had the promise of being very, very special. This is Inside Out with James Cadlidge.